We'll identify our nation's corrupt elite and unpack why we need to strip away their influence and power with Will Witt on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. The name of his latest book is Do Not Comply. To whom and why not? That's in the subtitle. Taking Power Back from America's Corrupt Elite. The corrupt elite? The elite corrupt? Really? Well, if you aren't aware of the problem, you're about to get quite an education. So let's get into it. He's a political and cultural commentator, international speaker, influencer, conservative podcaster, and best-selling author, featured frequently on media outlets such as Fox News and The Blaze. He currently is the editor-in-chief of the Florida Standard. The author of the book, Do Not Comply, Taking Power Back from America's Corrupt Elite. I welcome to the show, Will Witt. How are you, Will? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fine and glad to have you here. You know, your previous bestseller, which was published in 2021, was entitled How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies, Taking on Liberal Arguments with Logic and Humor. In regard to your latest endeavor, do not comply. The premise is, quote, the America you grew up in is no longer here. Our country is in sharp decline. Yet, we often fail to truly call out the culprits responsible for it. Then you go on to say they are the elite and they are selfish. Well, who are we talking about? Who are the the elite? Why are they selfish? Why is it a problem? And how big a problem is it? We probably need more than 30 minutes to call out all the people (laughs) who are the corruptors of this great nation, but we can just give some examples, which I lay out in the book as well. But we have the big media, we have big tech, we have the Democrats, we have the weak Republicans, we have the impious pastors, we have scientists, we have big pharma, we have the teachers union, the education system, we have big financial institutions, the lobbyists, the the military industrial complex. There is a myriad of different institutions that are in power in this country who look to strip away your freedom, and not just strip away your freedom, but turn you into a slave. That is what they are trying to do. Many of these people have gotten such a level of of hubris and arrogance that they believe that they are new gods in this world. They take God out of the West, as Nietzsche said, God is dead and we have killed him, Mm -hmm. said it best there. You take God out of the West and you replace it with a new religion. You replace it with a new God. This new God is this, this, this religion of leftism where all these people are attaching themselves to it and turning it into their moral way of living, their meaning for living. And so this book, Do Not Comply, is really what I think is the antidote to fixing that, to changing that and saying, look, you can live as an individual. You can live not controlled by these elites. It just takes hard work and it takes hardship to to be that type of person. I hear you, Will. Will, did you see the movie The Blob? It's been made, the original was back in, I think, 1957 with Steve McQueen, but they they redid it in color. Did you ever see the movie The Blob? No, I never did. Did you ever hear of the movie The Blob? I've heard of it, yes. Okay, what The Blob was was some cosmic thing. Just think of some big rub piece of, some big cosmic rubber thing that it just rolled into a town and it just consumed everything. And as it consumed, it kept getting bigger 
and bigger and bigger. And one of the main scenes, people were in this movie theater and they're watching the movie and the blob comes out from behind the screen and people are running out of theater and everything. And they eventually figured out that it couldn't take coal. So they brought some fighter jets in and sprayed it with coal and then dropped it into Antarctica. But the point I'm, why I like talking about the blob, how did all of these entities get involved and pushed into the same thing? Like in the blob, whatever it got in its way got consumed. Do you think this is a concerted effort from the left just to bring in this, create this big tent and just start rolling everybody, big fact, big pharma, the leftism, the Marxists, the communists, Black Lives Matter, did they roll everybody in there or were they always down for this revolutionary struggle in the beginning? Well, I think the thing that's different about the blob versus what we have in America today is that the blob, I mean, despite it being a fake movie, right. in the movie, the blob was real. It was actually a dangerous thing. It was consuming people. It was going to hurt people, destroying buildings, all of that jazz. Whereas in America today, the left has created a fake blob. They've said that racism is the blob. They've said that uh, climate change is the blob. The COVID is the blob. Being a bigot to transgender people is a blob. And so they take all of these different ideas and they try and make people fearful of them. If you can make people fearful and afraid of these kinds of things, then you're going to be able to control them forever. And the left, they are this blob because they, they only know how to destroy. Everything that the left touches, it destroys. I'm an Eagle Scout myself. Was, my greatest accomplishment was getting my Eagle Scout. And what is the Scouts now? I got that about 10, 11 years ago. The Scouts are now letting girls in. They have basically a social justice merit badge it's called Citizenship in the Universe. I mean, it's totally abandoned its principles. Late night TV shows have abandoned their principles. Sports have abandoned their principles. The entertainment industry, it's all just leftist nonsense now. They didn't create something new, something that, that people would love and cherish. They destroyed something that people love so that they could ham fist their agenda in there. Well, you just brought back memories. I'm probably old enough to be your grandfather, but I was a scout back in the day. I was an Eagle Scout and boy, you're bringing back memories. You're bringing back memories of when we used to go out on camping trips and somebody had to get up out of the sleeping bag and out of the tent at, at six in the morning to go up to the top of the hill so the raccoons wouldn't eat the food. And I'll never forget one of the crowning moments. And this was uh, probably in my high school years, senior year of high school, as a scout, was my mile swim. When I did my mile swim in a lake, I was just so proud. You're bringing back such memories. They have perverted, destroyed almost everything that you're talking about. And talking about perverting and destroying, the left perverts and destroys everything it touches. So why did you decide to take on, and rightfully so, the corrupt elitist, your next endeavor. There were so many targets you could you could have just cherry you could have gone any meaning like blindfolded yourself and just reached out. How did you end up with the corrupt elite? Well, because I wrote this book is not just another Republican book. If you go online right now and look at Republican books, you'll see books about how bad Biden is, stuff about Trump, things like that. And look, those those are good books. I'm, I'm sure of it. But I didn't want to write something that was just going to be around for this moment in history. I wanted something that was going to be everlasting because hierarchies will always exist. Uh, people being afraid will always exist. Governments and corporations taking advantage of their people will always exist. I wanted to write something that talked about where we are now, how it relates historically to where we've been, and how we move forward. How do you battle against these things? You know, I didn't write it as a Republican book. I wrote it really as a, a, a pro-human book. 
I'm pro-humanity. And these people who want to turn you into a slave and make you comply want to take away your humanity. They want to make you just some some amalgamation of some consumerist who, who, who never actually has to think for themselves or do anything risky or out of the box or brave or go up on the hill to get the raccoons away. That's too dangerous. Now these days, you probably need to get a license to go up on that hill and <laughs> and, and fill out some form, right? And I call you a racist for taking the food away from the raccoon and the bears and the squirrels. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're not an animal rights activist right. if you oh, do there that. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but, well, you know, out of all of the groups, and you, you know, and we'll get into uh, then some of the names, but you name Big Pharma. You know, you have the media, you have everybody. Would you say the most, the one that has helped propel this to the heights it's reached in such a short period of time would be big tech? because of their ability to control the media and to control narratives and search engines and shadow banning and censorship, that they have almost made it literally impossible for us to combat this through the social media outlets while they're just pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. Big Tech is chapter four in my book. Big Tech is a terrible entity with what they've done to Americans in, in many ways that we can delve into. but. Uh, no, I actually think the worst one is big media. I ah. think the media is the worst because I think that if you had big tech being as selfish and corrupt as they are, which they are, but you had a media machine that actually worked to hold elites accountable like it has historically for a very long time, That's what, that's been the role of the media to hold people accountable for their actions, then – I think you're okay because you have the media reporting on things, doing uh, integrity with their journalism, actually trying to help people. But now, I mean, I own a newspaper in Florida. I'm the editor-in-chief of a newspaper here, and I work with the other media companies. I see them. I talk to them. I can tell you for a matter of fact, it is not just that media companies and newspapers and news programs are lying to you. They are actively working against you, and they know it. Mm -hmm. These organizations know it. They are bought and paid for. They do nothing that actually helps people these days, and they are are content with pushing a lie as long as it gets clicks and it helps the people who are funding them. Yeah, you're right about that from that standpoint. And the problem is so many people can't understand what the media has become. I remember when Trump won, I was watching, I don't even watch liberal media, but I turned on to see, you see, you know, the Trump derangement syndrome. And there were uh, a, a talking head after talking head talking about, hey, look, if you want fairness, if you want the truth, if you want this or that, go to the other network. This is the we got to take Trump down network. And, it, and it, it was absolutely amazing to me that they went to that regard. Now, I'm going to tell you something else that's absolutely amazing to me. We know that students drop out of college all the time for a variety of reasons. But. You claim you dropped out of the University of Colorado after personally experiencing the left's relentless indoctrination of students. That's one we don't usually hear, especially when the high octane funding it costs to go to college, especially if it's coming from mom and dad, it's like, look, Buster, we're paying top dollar. You better stay in that Marxist indoctrinating center and come home during break and tell us we're racist, covered in white guilt, who need to cleanse themselves by demanding reparations for black people. That's what we're paying for. How did you escape that? Or did you? 
Well, it seems these days you can never really escape the blob as you described it. So it's hard to say I escaped, but I did live in Los Angeles for five years after I dropped out of college. But now I live in Tampa, Florida, and I absolutely love it here. It's an amazing place. That's where my producer is. You're in the same area. I'm sure he's a great guy. I I haven't met really any bad people here in Tampa at all. But I I was in college and I was an English major at the University of Colorado Boulder, which was a useless degree. And I was in a sociology class, which was a useless class. And I remember there was this black girl sitting next to me and my teacher's assistant in the class, it's basically the teacher, pointed at me and said, you are oppressing the girl next to you because of the color of your skin. And this was mind blowing to me that I was oppressing this this girl next to me. What year was this? Uh, this must have been 2015, fall of 2015. Okay. Um, that was my, my first year of college. And this is fall so of Obama's 2015. Obama's still in there. Obama's still in there, but there was, a, you know, there was some populist stuff starting to take place. You know, Trump hadn't really emerged on the scene yet. He had some interviews and things and was kind of there, but um, wasn't totally in it yet. It wasn't until 2016 um, that Trump really, I felt like, really started making his waves. And I started getting very into the politics. Um, after that exchange, I said, well, this is this is wrong. I, I don't know what's going on here. And I started doing a lot of research with PragerU, with Turning Point, other political commentators reading. And I said, this is what's really true. So I went and made a video on my campus interviewing women what they thought about the wage gap. I sent it to PragerU because I love their videos. They ended up giving me a job, long story short. And I dropped out of school after two years, moved to Los Angeles and went to work for PragerU. How'd your family feel, your parents feel about that? Were they paying for your education? No, I paid for my own education. Oh, so, okay. Then um, you're, you're paying the cost to be the boss. Exactly. So, you but know, how did I they feel about you that. dropping out? Well, it was just it's just actually my mom in the picture. My dad was was never around growing up. Uh, he was in prison for sorry, most of my sorry life. Sorry to hear that. No, that's okay. Um, but my mom was, you know, of course, she's very worried. I'm her son. Everyone goes to college. She wasn't a very political person. And I'm out here, you know, with my, my Trump make America great again hat, shirt and socks and She's like, what the hell is going on, Will? You know, and I'm like, well, this is this is what the truth is. I'm going to go out here and I want to do something about it. And so she was worried, of course. You know, I, I had no money. I was in debt and I was moving out to the most expensive city in America to go work in conservative politics and one of the most leftist cities in America. It was quite the leap. She was very nervous. So were my grandparents. But I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I had to do. And I knew that I could do a lot more good for the world than than stay in college. Okay, well, here's the big question. And I asked this of uh, most guests that just say something along the lines of what you said. And usually the answer is not very good, but I'll ask anyway and pray for the best. Have you been able to red pill your mother? Actually, yes. Yeah. Good, all right. Yeah, we're, we're on there. So, I mean, she's not like some hardcore person or anything coming out to Trump rallies or anything like that. But my mom is now definitely conservative. She sees the stuff going on. I mean, she's she's a nurse and had to deal with COVID stuff more than really anyone else, you know, any other profession um, other than maybe like teachers at, at schools and things like that. But she had to deal with all that and the nonsense and the transgenderism and all those kinds of things. And it's just, it's it comes down to a, a common sense at a certain point, right? You see so much of this nonsense happening, this diabolical evil that these elites are pushing on us. And you say, well, I don't know if I was political before, but I'm definitely political now because look at what these people are doing to us. So I can't say it was all my fault making her that way, but I've basically come in and said no one in my family is allowed to be a Democrat, so I I, I won't have it. Why is it you were able to convert your mother yet? I could tell you so many people 
come on the show and they say, hey, my family, they, they, I'm, the, I'm the outcast. Maybe I'm just a pretty persuasive guy, you know, who knows? <laughs> but no, I mean, the, the reality is I wrote my first book, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies, and that was all about how to talk to people to change their minds. Uh, I've gone on the street and interviewed thousands of people, changed thousands of minds, and speaking to my mom from a place of love and compassion and, and using the questions to actually change her mind, changed her mind, you know? Uh, it was really as simple as that. What I found at the end of the day, when you're trying to change people's minds, it's not you changing that person's mind necessarily. It's them changing their own mind because they couldn't answer the questions that you gave them. When you start to have the facts and you interweave those into your questions without any pride, without trying to prove that you're right, but prove that the ideas are right, you can do so much good that way. People go into an argument or a debate and they say, they basically think in their head, I want this person to think that I am right. No, no, no. Don't have that person think that you are right. Have that person think that the idea is right. That's much more important. It might sound kind of confusing, oh. but just think about it for a second. It's, it's, it's much more about the ideas and the values and, and the information than about yourself. Take yourself out of it and just try and ask questions about the ideas that are really true. Absolutely. And because when you have truth on your side, truth will stand on its own. And there are attempts to try and fight the truth with non-truth. They may not come around. They may run away, but they may know they'll know they're running away and they'll know they're running away because they can't debate it. Will you contend and rightfully so that the corrupt ruling class had pitted pits us against each other under the guise of build back better or the greater good? But in reality, the changes in programs they're instituting not only hurting us, but they have us reeling to surf them while the elites, meaning them, reap all the benefits. Do you think Americans are starting to come to see this? Well, I think Americans are starting to come to see this, but it's it's very difficult. I mean, the greater good, there's been more damage done in the name of the greater good than really any other ideology in history. Communism was done in the name of the greater good. Nazism was done in the name of the greater good. Uh, Geng, I'm sure Genghis Khan was talking to the Mongols and saying, we're taking over the entire world for the greater good. You know, The New Deal? Uh, the New Deal, of course. All these things, they're all for the greater good, right? The Civil Rights Act, like all these different types of things. And when you have an ideology like that, it's very seductive, it's very intoxicating to people when they feel like they're fighting for the greater good. But even if people are waking up, this is this is the, the problem. We have people waking up in this country, but think back to, let's say, communist Russia. And you add thousands and thousands of people in the gulags, in these Soviet work camps. I am sure that 99% of these people knew that they were, let's say, quote unquote, woken up. They knew what was going on. They knew that them being in those camps was wrong, right? But they were still in the camps, even if they knew what was right. So I use that in the context of America. We have lots of people who are waking up to the fact that we know what is right. We know what is true, but they're not doing anything about it. They're not speaking up. They continue to comply. They continue to go along with the same things and, and be fearful of what other people think about them. It's one thing to have people know the truth. It's one. It's a whole nother thing to have people go and act with goodness and integrity to actually fight for the truth. Yeah, I hear you. I got that. And and that's the thing. You, you know, you, people just think freedom is free. It's not free. You have to fight to keep it. Look, we've had several world wars. And just think, if we just ro laid down and rolled over like Code Pink of the Left wants us to do, we'd either be speaking Japanese, German, Chinese, something by now, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. Yeah, I like to story, ask, yeah. yeah, there you go. I like to ask guests to respond to uh, several things in their books. Now, some of your chapters you've already named, A Brave New World, Big Pharma, Big Tech, Big Media. Big Media. 
The ones I would like you to just comment on are the ones that kind of really caught my attention, like the beauty of unpopular opinions, no common ground with people who hate us, and becoming a hero in a dangerous world because that's what we have to do right now, we the people, or we're gonna lose this country. Thank you, yeah, becoming a hero in a dangerous world was my favorite chapter to write. But let's start with the, the one on the beauty of unpopular opinions. I have a story in there about Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was losing the war. The Union was losing the war, right? His, his son died of tuberculosis, his wife was distraught. I mean, what is this guy supposed to do? And eventually, he found this nurse, uh, Rebecca Pomeroy, who brought him to God. I'm, I'm saying the story a little bit shorter, but there's more within it in the book, of course. But this, this, this nurse brought him to God. And in his second inaugural address, he said that this war, this civil war that is happening, is a punishment from God for the institution of slavery. And he vowed to get rid of slavery. That was his top priority after his second inaugural address. His cabinet said, no, don't do it. You know, there's lots of people in the North still that are still racist and don't really want to get rid of slavery. They say don't do it. His own wife says don't do it. And what does Lincoln do? He gets rid of slavery. He does it. Now, that was very unpopular at the time. But now what do we think of Lincoln? He's one of yep. the most uh, the most heralded people in the human in the history of humanity because of what he did and his leadership and conviction, even though at the time everyone looked at him like he was a complete bozo and had no idea what he was talking about. That is the beauty of unpopular opinions. It is knowing that the truth is objective from God and that even if the whole world is against you, you know what is true and you will stand for it and continue to stand for it because that is what is right and that is what is ordained by God. We right. have to be people who, who look at it from that perspective instead of, oh, what, is my fr- what are my friends gonna think about this? What's, the, what's my family gonna think even? You know, We have to be stronger than all that. And Will, let's move it ahead to 2023. Exactly where Lincoln stood, that's where Donald Trump is now, with abortion. He knows what's right. He knows what's right in the eyes of God. As I like to tell people on this show, God hates abortion. Pharaoh and Herod. Herod tried to whack the baby Jesus. Pharaoh tried to whack the baby Moses. They killed all the babies in the womb and everybody to a year and a half up of all the males trying to get rid of two of God's prophets and savior and also Moses the prophet. Abortion is horrible. God knows it. We know that Donald Trump took a stand on it. Even a lot of Republicans know it's going to cost us in the election. But do you could you compare those two that slavery and abortion that they did what was right and let God handle the rest? I think so. Yeah. In in terms of the Trump stuff, I wish Trump would have personally been a little stronger in his latest Meet the Press interview on uh, the six week ban and the 15 week ban and and would have, in my opinion, gone a little bit harder on saying, yes, we're going to sign these things. I, I think he was a little too uh, trying to placate to the left. I understand it's a strategy to win elections, but you know, if, if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, what does he really gain? I think Trump has been the most pro-life president probably that we've ever seen. Um, I just wish that his statements in this recent interview were a little more, I guess you could say, on the nose when it came to, to standing for life. Um, can, I, in, can I say one thing, though, before you sure, go on? Course, just in yeah. defense of Donald Trump, because I almost had a heart attack when he got in and he brings Schumer and Pelosi in. And I'm in New York, so, you know, I have to deal with Chucky Schmucky. But anyway, so he brings Schumer and Pelosi in and he says, hey, yeah, tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. You know, write down all the stuff you want and I'll sign it. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, 
And of course, they wrote all their safe, showed him everything they wanted. And he said, I can't shine this bleep. You know, so I have learned. And by the way, I have learned with Donald Trump, don't necessarily pay attention to everything he says because he kind of just talks what he's thinking. It's more important I've learned what he does. So I understand your point about the abortion thing, but the key is what is he going to do? So I just want to throw that in. No, and I think you're exactly right. I mean, like I said, getting uh, having it so that states can can have their own decisions on abortion and the Supreme Court justices, this is huge. This is a this is a massive win that is pretty much unprecedented for the pro-life community within this country, at least since, you know, the sexual revolution in the in the 60s and 70s. So it truly is a, an amazing thing. And I think that you are right. I think Donald Trump will say things and then his actions are sometimes different and he'll do things that surprise all of us. Mm-hmm. And we're like, wow, that was that was not what we were expecting here, you know, and it's good. It's, we're like, oh, man, that's great. Um, I suppose, yeah, um, the original question was about slavery and abortion on the two being um, the same. Essentially, I guess you could say the the fight is similar, that if you have women who are believing that the sanctity of life means nothing and that this is only a woman's rights issue and not a human life issue, then you are essentially turning them into slaves to the leftist machine because all they do is believe. Frederick Douglass said famously, he said, uh, to make a contented slave is to make a thoughtless one. That's what slavery really is at the end of the day. You are making thoughtless people. And so if you have women who are sacrificing children through abortion, they are inherently becoming slaves. Absolutely. Well, I've really enjoyed this, and uh, we left a lot of meat on the bone, brother. So I'm yeah. going to ask you back <laughs> rather soon. You know, I'd usually we I'd wait a year or so, but there's been a couple people that just had to come back, you know, to finish this. So I'm going to try and get you back as soon as possible. Well, I'm not going to try. It's my show. I'll bring it back. So if you're available, I'm going to have you back before this year is out. Will, please tell people how they can reach you and anything you'd like to promote. You guys can follow me on social media at The Will Wit, and of course, you can buy the book anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, I'm sure it'll be there. That's Do Not Comply, Taking Power Back from America's Corrupt Ruling Class. And at The Will Wit would be on all social media, so if they went to X or if they went to Facebook or if they went to so, uh, True Social, it's all there. Uh, under it's all at, there. It's all that. Yep. Okay, Will because we have just a little bit time, squeeze one more thing in. How? What can people do? to fix this problem. What can we do as Joe Public to do not comply? Anytime that someone wants to take away your ability to think freely and turn you into that Frederick Douglass contented slave, you cannot comply. This isn't just about COVID. This isn't just about that. It is about your humanity. Because in America today, we have lost what it means to be an American, first of all. And second of all, we're losing what it means to be a human. We've forgotten these kind of things. We've forgotten social interaction. We've forgotten community. We've forgotten good values and faith in God and and hard work and tenacity. We've forgotten these things because people are making America comply with these diktats from these selfish rulers who care nothing about you. That's Democrats, that's rhino Republicans, that's all sorts of people. And so the number one thing you can do is not comply with what they want you to do by turning you into a slave. Amen to that. Will Witt, thank you for coming on. We'll have you back sooner than you probably think. There you have it, everybody. Mr. Will Witt. I want to thank Will Witt for bringing a damaging problem to the light. 
The elite have the ways and the means to be among the movers and shakers leading and shaping our nation. It's shameful at best, devastating at worst, that their power, finances, and influence are being used to bring about the destruction of our country as we know it. So keep speaking up and speaking out, Will. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. If you're joining us for the first time, we hope you'll check out the podcast archive located on the page. All episodes are there, featuring more than 100 high-profile guests, including Kevin Sorbo, Judge Janine Pirro, Monica Crowley, Mike Lindell, Carrie Lake, Kenny Chu, Ben Carson, Christina Bob, Carol Swain, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Diamond and Silk, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Brandon Tatum, Clay Clark, Christian Watson. Well, that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.